All right, you internet weirdos. It's Friday, and that means it's time for another roundtable extravaganza. I'm your host, Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report, and joining me today is an author, a mathematician, a professional troublemaker, and a guy who maybe is still suspended from Twitter. We'll find out in just a moment, James Lindsay. A writer, a speaker, and a mad mama over in crazy California, Alicia Krauss, an editor-in-chief of the Post-Millennial, a place of journalism without air quotes, Libby Emmons. James, Alicia, Libby, welcome back to The Rubin Report. Hi. Hey. Thanks. All right, good to see you crazy kids. Uh, we're gonna kind of recap the week and sort of woke lunacy. Uh, but before we do anything, I woke up this morning having my coffee, I open the Twitter, I know nothing good could possibly be happening, and I see that my mild-mannered friend, James Lindsay, has been suspended by Twitter. Uh, so we're gonna start with that. Let me just talk to you guys about real estate agents I trust real quick, and then we will get to it. Uh, you guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, which is a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend Real Estate Agents I Trust, founded by my buddy Glenn Beck. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records. They're the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you want to go, including the free state of Florida. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today. Give them some info. They'll reach out to you and then you will live happily ever after. Okay, let's get to it. First off, uh, we've got a headline here from the Daily Caller. This is a couple days ago because you know these left-wing, woke, progressive, whatever the hell you want to call them at this point, these activists are, uh, they're always pushing for the rest of us to be censored. So here's a headline from the Daily Caller a few days ago. Left-wing activists urge big tech to censor anti-pedophile smear. Now the anti-pedophile smear that they're referring to is this meme of okay groomers that's been going around the internet. And this is where people are calling out all of these sort of gender queer teachers who wanna to talk to other people's children about sexuality and not report it back to the parents et cetera, et cetera, you guys get all that. Well then, uh, this, uh, this is a woman, I believe. Ari Drennan is a woman, although I'm not a biologist, uh, from Media Matters. She's the LGBTQ program director over at Media Matters. Uh, she wrote, she tweeted this, Daily Caller, we aren't anti-LGBTQ, we're anti-pedophile. Uh, also, the Daily Caller uses a generic picture of young people holding pride flags in the article. And then here's where the story hit home. James Lindsay tweeted back, okay, groomer. And he was quickly, swiftly dealt with by the Twitter lords. He was suspended. James, uh, you're a mean dude, huh? You, you're, you just don't want to play by their rules and you want to uh, you know, go on the attack against people who want to talk to other people's kids about sex. What's the deal with you? Yeah, I don't like that. When, when they talk to other people's kids about sex and our, our mortal enemies or clown troop or whatever we have over at Media Matters or, or got sick of the little trend I started. I don't know if you knew, Dave, I started the OK Groomer thing back in October. I think I have the first OK Was Groomer. that you? You were actually like the legit first OK Groomer person? I am the first OK Groomer. That's right. And wow. So, and then I did, I did a series of podcasts I've titled Groomer Schools. There are four of them. The most recent one I did just a few weeks ago, released a few weeks ago, 
where I read through a paper talking about Drag Queen Story Hour, and I'm not okay with Drag Queen Story Hour. I'm not okay with groomers. I'm not okay with whether this is sexual grooming or ideological cult grooming. Um, and so I called this out, and Media Matters couldn't handle this after a number of months. I didn't know. Apparently, they changed the rule on Twitter back in February without telling anybody that they had made this an explicit rule uh, that you can't call protected classes of people, whom I assume they mean are the T's and the Q's, because most LB's and G's are against the uh, grooming thing. Um, so you can't call a T or a Q within the alphabet people, and maybe some of the, probably most of the pluses, if I had to guess. Uh, you can't call those people groomers on Twitter as they'll mass report you and then they'll knock you off and put it, something about it in your Wikipedia entry. Can we call people that support the groomers groomers? I mean, I would argue that people like the Biden administration, AOC, Nancy Pelosi et al. are supporting grooming of my children. So will I get kicked off of Twitter if I call them out for that? It's just, it's unbelievable the social media overlords and what they do and do not allow us to say. Libby, do you have a better phrase? Yes. Do you have a better phrase, Libby, for this? I was on a, a radio show. I'm not even gonna call the guy out because he's, he's a friendly to most of us, I think. Nice enough guy, but he was asking me a couple weeks ago about the okay groomer thing. And he said, Dave, do you think it's over the top? And I had said, I said to him, you know, I've never said it on my show, actually. People, you know, there's a internet culture and what I do here, okay, fine. I said, but do you have a better phrase for a group of people who want to talk to other people's children, six-year-olds, about sex and gender and hide it from their parents. You have a better phrase for it. And without blinking, he goes, uh, what about indoctrinator? And I thought, well, is that better than groomer? Is that worse than groomer? Like that's the level of sort of yeah, stupidity not, that we're dealing with. Libby, you got a better word than groomer for these people? You know, I, I don't necessarily. Back in April during the trans day of visibility when President Biden went on Twitter and said to American parents that it was their responsibility to affirm their kids, we called him the groomer in chief. And I do think that the fact that these activists are offended by the term groomer and aligning that term with themselves is such an insane self-own. Do they not realize that by saying that LGBTQ people, uh, that saying, using the term groomer for activists in the LGBTQ movement, um, saying that that's offensive to them is actually kind of insane and shows that uh, they must relate to it in some way. I don't see what you can call a third grade teacher who tells her students to use all the pronouns and then hides it from parents, hides it from the administration, says that they're this very safe space for all of this. Um, indoctrinators, grooming indoctrinators, uh, sex advocates for kids. I don't know. Like, I think groomer is actually pretty apt. And this ban actually reminds six -year -old. me of uh, Yeah, it reminds me of when Megan Murphy was banned, I think in 2018 for saying, yeah, him. Yeah, mm -hmm. him, you know, really, this is what we get banned for. It's just, it's so obvious that this is an agenda-driven, um, you know, batch of lies that's being right. and let's, on the American people. Also, let's not forget, I mean, Jordan Peterson is now officially suspended from Twitter because he called Ellen Page, Elliot Page. I got suspended for literally referencing the fact that Jordan Peterson was suspended. I'm yeah. still unclear who was the actress that was in X-Men. Was that an actor named Elliot Page or a woman named Ellen Page? Doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, Elliot Alicia, Page Alicia, you have you have young kids, well. you have young kids, school age kids that mm -hmm. are 
I know through you are not getting any of this nonsense, but what are your, what are your friends saying? What are the other mad mamas saying about this stuff when they're getting their kids back from school? You know, it's so fascinating. Of course, now in Southern California, I've been talking with moms in LA County and now San Diego County who are going um, backwards in ways I cannot use appropriate words for uh, online because they're wanting to remask our children and uh, vax them up and all this stuff on top of this. And even my most left-leaning friends are like, yeah, I don't want my three-year-old to go to a, an art camp in the summertime and then come back with a sticker that says his pronouns on it. Right. Like, yep. they don't understand that. They think that they are just a boy and they are a girl because those are the two sexes that there are. And I've been saying it in my YAF speeches for a really long time. I just went to my baby's three-year, I can't believe she's three, her three-year wellness check. And our pediatrician at every two-year and every three-year wellness check will ask my girls the same question. Do you know if you're a boy or a girl? Because it is a way of determining their mental and educational mm -hmm. state and whether they are aware of reality versus pretend. She does the same thing with Disney characters. Can you be Ariel? Can you be the Little Mermaid? Yes or no. And this is something that the left is infringing on and being overly radical. And there are a lot of mad mamas, even in blue states, that are like, you know, I'm not okay with it. But sometimes, as you know, it's they're very nimby. It's not in their backyard. So yep. if they can tell you that it's a good idea and they can act like they pretend to support this, you know, on the socials and at the cocktail parties and the dinner parties, then fine. But really in their own homes and behind the scenes, they're doing everything that they can to make sure that their children are not the ones that are being groomed. Hey, James, to, to Alicia's point there, you mentioned a moment ago a sort of distinction between whether they're grooming them for sort of sexual purposes or for more ideological purposes. I, I sense what you mean is just like sort of break down a three-year-old or a six-year-old's ability to have any sense of what reality is. My gut feeling is it's more on the latter. I don't think this is necessarily all about molesting these kids. I, I, obviously at some level it is, but I think it's more the latter, that you just break their ability to have any sense of what's real at six, and then why wouldn't they buy into all of the rest of the ways that you wanna control them? Do you think it's more of the latter actually? Overwhelmingly, yeah. They're, I mean, to use a leftist word, they're co-constituted. If you break down kids' sense of reality and you give them this sense of trust and you're talking to them about sexual topics already, there will be some sexual exploitation and predation that happens. But this is overwhelmingly ideological or cult grooming. Um, another term, since we were talking about that, you could use is thought reform, which is the term that the, the Chinese used for their, their prisons. This is a very Maoist program. And the idea is, in fact, that, that why are they doing this, this grooming thing why are they doing this cult indoctrination this thought reform thing and it is for three primary purposes i told uh, on on ali beth stuckey our friend ali's podcast the other day i said there are three main reasons one is they want to destabilize the kid it's mm -hmm. not going to be hard to get these kids to believe whatever you need them to believe to flip out about climate change if you can convince them that they aren't a boy or aren't a girl mm -hmm. uh, or that they don't know you know what basic uh, sex is um that's not going to be difficult so to destabilize the children to make sure they don't know reality so you can groom them into other political points. Second is to sever them from their families. If they come home and say all this weird stuff, it's gonna, you know, they're gonna say, mom, you don't understand, things are different now. And the third is to sever them from their religion or any other cultural uh, grounding that gives them the ability to make sense of their lives and have continuity from one generation to the next. Because if you're going to make communists, you have to install a whole new society. And you do that by building it up in the children while discrediting the adult world. And I think that's the ultimate agenda. Even if the people that are doing it in the classroom don't even realize they're playing a part in that agenda. Yeah, David, so we've talked about it 
So, sorry, but real quick, okay. we talked about it on this show before um, when I've been on the Friday Roundup. It, if for the side that said that they cared about mental health and emotional well-being and people's feelings for so long, what James is discussing and what he does a very good job of discussing all of the time because he has the background and all the data to go with it, I see that is leading to confusion and that is leading to mental overload, which is going to negatively affect the emotions and the development of America's children. And that is what is dangerous because not only are you removing them from their faith and their family, but you're making them question who they were are and who they were born to be. And that's like a level of anxiety and depression that no child should have pushed on them. I, I want to give Libby, I want to give Libby the last word on this, but James, real quick, because you mentioned the religion part and Alicia just mentioned the religion part of this. Um, you know, you were you were sort of like a very, very outspoken atheist when I knew you, you know, say five, six, seven years ago when you were first on my show. Do you find it odd that uh, you're suddenly being defended by all of these religious people and have common cause at this point with, with those people in the face of this thing? No, because I think we both share something much bigger in common, which is a recognition that reality exists and re reality is structured and that we can comprehend it. That's John chapter one or it begins with saying that the, the logos is the basis of reality, that the, mm -hmm. the, the word was God and the word was with God. And so, um, no, I think that we're actually on the same page. And I'll just add a real quick point. Speaking of, of what Alicia just said, the Groomer Schools podcast, I went through two papers, one of which is Drag Queen Story Hour and one of which is a Queer Theory paper. It's this, the, the Queer Theory paper explicitly says that they want to redo in terms of queer theory, early childhood development and early childhood education because they want to overcome the impediment that people are saying this is developmentally inappropriate for children. So they want to redefine what's developmentally appropriate for, for young children. And then in the, the, the Groomer Schools paper, they actually say directly to Alicia's point, they say that they actually use the idea that it's about encouraging LGBTQ empathy mm -hmm. as a marketing strategy. But the real point is to teach children to live queerly. They say that explicitly in the paper. They end that paper by saying that their goal is to leave a trail of glitter in the carpet that will never come out. That's a direct quote. And so this, what word do you use but groomer for this? Yep. Yeah, and for the record, I have never, at least in my life, met a gay person that wanted anything to do with any of this stuff. I, I really haven't. I think they've done so much damage to just the average gay person who's out there just trying to live their life, who was fighting for equality years ago. I'm actually gonna let Libby kick off. Glitter, yeah, this is as glittery as it gets, my friend. Look at this jacket. I thought this is the gayest thing I got. Here we go. Um, the, I'll let Libby kick off the next one here because it's a, it's a good segue. Uh, the woke media is actually collapsing right now. I think enough people are waking up to that reality that you're referring to. James, we've got some info here from CNBC about Vice Media. This is quite spectacular. Vice Media, the digital media company once valued at 5.7 billion, that's billion with a B, has hired bankers to seek a sale according to people familiar with the matter. Vice was an early darling of the digital media industry peaking in 2017 with a $450 million investment from private equity firm TPG that valued the company at nearly 6 billion. Vice is considering a sale as it seeks liquidity for investors and to help pay back about a billion dollars in debt. Disney already wrote off its 400 million investment in 2019 with the expectation that it would be worthless. Uh, Libby, uh, you guys are doing some fine work over at the Post Millennial and I would say it's in direct contrast 
to something like Vice that was sort of edgy and good maybe six years ago and then went fully woke and is now mm -hmm. collapsing. So uh, pretty sweet, huh? Yeah, it's actually pretty fascinating to watch this all go down. Uh, Vice isn't the only one. We saw CNN Plus tank as well. Meanwhile, the post-millennial is growing and expanding, um, and I'm really proud of the work that we're doing. I think the progressive media outlets are bloated. I think they're bloated on their own ideology. They're bloated with staff, and Americans are tired of hearing from their betters how much they suck. We don't need this anymore. You know, we don't need that these elites to come in and start telling us that our views are wrong, that the things that we speak are wrong, that our political perspectives are wrong, that it's wrong the way we're raising our kids, that our religion is wrong, that we need to restructure our entire worldview to match their activism, which, you know, as we just discussed, has a lot of grooming tendencies in it. Uh, and we don't need that. Americans don't want it, and they're they're speaking up with their clicks, and uh, we're seeing progressive media outlets just go down. They're also speaking up with their eyeballs because MSNBC, or as I call it, the mental institution, the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, they're collapsing. We've got this from the Daily Wire. MSNBC has chosen Alex Wagner to succeed Rachel Maddow as host of its nightly program marking a major change in leftist media. MSNBC revealed the change on Monday regarding the 9 p.m. Eastern time slot on Tuesday through Friday nights. However, Maddow intends to continue hosting the show on Mondays. This is not a show where our hair is on fire and we're yelling past each other and we're creating these manufactured moments of tension, MSNBC Rash President Rashida Jones told the New York Times. I really want the takeaway from this show to be a better understanding of what's happening in the world. Maddow had already stepped back from hosting after a new deal with NBC Universal, according to Axios. The host planned to leave her position, but decided to remain active as the program's Monday host. The program running since 2008 announced Maddow's plans to take hiatus in January. So I thought this was interesting because Rachel Maddow is sort of a perfect example of this whole thing. You know, she seems like a nice person to some degree or something. She's a total media darling, but she gets every single story wrong. She has lied about everything, every, whether it's Brett Kavanaugh or Jesse Smollett or January 6th, the list goes on, you guys get it. And even MSNBC is saying, boy, enough of this. And to make this story even sweeter, there are rumors they might get rid of Joy Reid. So, uh, Alicia, you looking for a gig over on MSNBC? <laughs> I know, I was actually thinking, I wonder when uh, this new host, Alex, is gonna give you an I-ring to be on the show, since <laughs> they want a taste of what's happening in real America and have a dialogue and discussion about it. I yeah. would absolutely love that. Give me a ring. Maybe I should be working on my LinkedIn resume. Well, you know, you know for the record, Alex- with the... No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, Alex Jones, you, uh, it's not Alex Jones, Alex Jones, that would be good on MSNBC, actually, but Alex Wagner, <laughs> She used to have a daytime show on MSNBC and no one watched it. And now they're giving her the primetime slot that no one's gonna watch. It's just- And I love, I need to find myself a gig where I can fail up because the <laughs> left does it so well. Yeah, Beto. you just have to be a lefty. That's, that's how I it mean, works. I yeah, sheesh. James, you're not gonna get a call to be on any of these programs. You're always willing to talk to these people, right? I, I mean, in the old days, you were able to get on some of these shows and debate these people, but the phone doesn't ring anymore on that stuff, right? No, they've, uh, you mentioned Alex Jones. I understand that my reputation is roughly hovering around his <laughs> these days because I'm saying a lot of the big C word that nobody wants to talk about. And I talk about things like ESG. And I say that this is a communist revolution happening in the United States. And they think that that's crazy. Um, I base it on having read their books and 
connecting what I see in their books, which by, by the way, nobody's done. And then connecting what I see in their books to what I see happening around me. And it's like, oh, wow, I found the roadmap. And then I just say those things. And that makes me insane. So no, they're not, they're not going to be too eager to talk to me. I don't think. Do you think that the frogs are gay? Um, I thought there was something like that kind of is true, isn't it? Like, no, the frogs make you gay. The frogs themselves are not gay. They make oh, other people gay. the water was gay. making the frogs gay? I don't know. I thought they were putting the chemicals in the water and the, the whole thing. <laughs> Libby, you yeah, must I be happy that, about this. It's sort of like the Vice that... story. It's like good things are being well, built, right? You know, I think a lot of this too um, is just because so many of the narratives that have been pushed by these media outlets from COVID to Russia collusion, the Hunter Biden laptop, Jesse Smollett, the persistent insistence that um, trans people are suddenly the opposite sex just because they say they are. And so many of these things having to then be walked back as we have seen over and over again also just shows that the first thing that these outlets say are typically lies that are aligned with the ruling narrative um, and the people in power. That's what's being upheld here. They're not questioning authority. They're not speaking truth to power. They are punching down at the rest of us who are looking for truth, looking for facts, looking for reality. And MSNBC, Vice Magazine, all of these places, CNN continue to deny that reality even exists despite our being able to see it with our own eyes. So you're actually, uh, uh, I think it's right and just that they are going down. And you're giving me a beautiful segue to our next segment because speaking of narrative over reality, they constantly tell us that everyone should come to America and we should give them a lot of stuff and we should have open borders and everyone should share in apparently the horror of our racist patriarchy, but they still wanna come, it's all very bizarre. Uh, but then reality hits them and next thing you know, in places like New York City, they're being overrun with people that they cannot support. Here is New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who I have no doubt will soon be called a racist by his leftist cohorts. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our, uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services, there's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce and that's why we need, we need help in getting this done and we need the right coordination to make it happen. It's, it's hilarious. It's actually hilarious that these people think if you just let a gajillion people in, you don't check anything, you give them services, that eventually it's not gonna collapse the system. It's happening everywhere. Also the DC mayor, we covered it earlier in the week, is dealing with the same thing. Her homeless shelters are being overrun by illegals. Uh, Alicia, you live in LA. Um, how many homeless people are you, how many homeless people are you sheltering right now? Because that's why I left. Um. Not uh, sheltering any of them. We've got a lot of gates and a moat and a, and a few guns <laughs> and stuff. I, although I shouldn't be saying that on air because the ATF might come knocking on my door, but they'd have to come through the two fences first. There you um, go. But uh, it is actually heartbreaking. That I, I say this all the time. Downtown LA, I think, has so much potential. Uh, uh, just a week before that poor Olympian was clocked and almost lost sight yeah, in we'll one get eye. To that. We'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine was bitten on the back of a head by a homeless person. This goes back to leftist policies, like in general though, since before you and I were born. It's the not in my backyard. They will say that they want these things to happen until they actually start to happen. And then they realize, 
oh, wow, government is not the end all be all. And we don't have the resources to take care of these people. Because guess what? Turns out that government really sucks at taking care of people. They shouldn't be doing it. They should be minimizing their involvement and letting the free market speak for itself. And we should be protecting our borders because when we protect our borders and we have an immigration process that is legal and that works, it's beneficial not just to current American citizens, but the ones that want to come here. And when my buddy Ben Shapiro and I used to do a morning show, we would say all the time, we'd actually rather trade uh, probably a couple million fellow millennials for these immigrants that want to come here because their ideology aligns more with the, the values of our Judeo-Christian nation than kids that were born in this country. So I'm not anti-immigration. I want people to come here, but it is not beneficial to them or to us. And it's definitely not sustainable if we just like do what LA and DC and New York do and say, well, come on in. And by the way, I live in Miami right now, which is a hugely immigrant, often first or second generation immigrant city filled with Cubans and Venezuelans. These are people yep. who know what their parents or they fled. So they're the most pro-American people you can yep. possibly find. Uh, James, does this Eric Adams situation sort of go to something that you and I have discussed publicly and privately for years? I've taken the position for a long time that the good liberals cannot do anything in the face of this thing. It simply does not work. They try to be nice, but they just end up adding fuel to the fire. So in this case, Eric Adams, who is a Democrat, but they thought, okay, he's not a completely insane Democrat. He's not the socialist lunatic Bill de Blasio. He'll do a little bit better, except here we are. And it's obvious that here we are, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And he also said in there, he's not gonna stop them from coming. He's just gonna ask for help. I don't know who he's asking, but that the good libs, they simply actually at this point are causing the problem while they're pretending that they're doing something about it. I completely agree. They have absolutely no tools whatsoever at their disposal to try to stop any of this. We could also turn and look at how the trans lobby is just absolutely overriding all of feminism. Like feminism doesn't exist mm -hmm. anymore. The, 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 the truth is that the, the machine always moves left. The dialectical machine is what it's called. It always moves left and they don't have any tools to stop it. Um, we do have to add a little piece of context that I don't know for sure that it's relevant, but when we look at Eric Adams, when we look at what he just said, with the immigrants coming in. We will also remember that the courts just decided that immigrants can't vote in New York. And so all of a sudden they're a problem. Um, mm -hmm. So what you see is this kind of like pie in the sky vision for how they can transform reality to this kind of utopia that doesn't work in reality, that they can't manage. And the good leftists or good lefties or whatever we want to call them, very smart people, they're idiots. They literally have no tools to deal with it. They can't do anything to stop it. And frankly, it's largely because they don't, they just frankly don't understand what's happening in the world around them. They have, if you know, I tell people a lot of times, you know, if there's a scale of one to 10 of how well people understand the political world around them, my typical smart college educated master's degree left wing friend is at about a three on a good day. They just don't know what's happening in the world around them. So they're useless at best and causing the problem at worst. They have PhDs and yet they never learned you wouldn't want to say heroin addict taking a dump in a park next to a lady with a stroller. I don't know, they just don't and teach that at Yale. I thought they did. Libby, what should people who live in sane states, in sane cities, and I apologize, Alicia, I know, and you're always welcome here. Uh, what should we be, should we waste our time talking about this nonsense anymore or should we just let New York City go? Let Seattle go, like stop talking about it, stop thinking about it, you guys want this? Congratulations, we're, we're just washing our hands of it. We don't do the country or the world any favors by destroying our cities. 
Um, and I, I think that that would be really a shame to just say we're going to let New York City go with all of its great cultural contributions that it's done over the years. I think there's a chance for New York City. I think um, the city operates best when it's under Republican leadership, even as the state typically has um, Democratic leadership. Um, and I think that New Yorkers should be voting conservative. I think that they should be voting for, you know, uh, people who are interested in maintaining New York City instead of watching it run to ruin. Kamala Harris had been tasked with dealing with the root causes of immigration. She has done nothing. Perhaps Eric Adams should take his plea to save New York to her. But certainly, mayors across the country should not be held responsible for the Biden administration's total failure to secure the border and to make sure that the people who are being led into this country are not criminals who are here to destroy our country instead of be you know, functioning members of society. And it's really a shame, too, for the Hispanic community, which has done so much for this country and contributed so much to have people just running across the border um, completely unchecked when you have so many people who came here legally or who earned citizenship um, it, through legal channels. So I think Adams should be perhaps more outspoken than this. He should take his fight directly to the White House. He should tell them to stop destroying New York City and Miami and all of these other great places that so many Americans call home. Right. The if problem is, real, the problem is we know we know he's not going to do that. And by the way, you know where this all ends. I mean, right now we've got Florida but and Texas busing. I want to I want to tell Adams to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could we could so keep telling him to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. But, you know, yeah. this all ends. This all ends, obviously, with Florida and Texas busing these illegals that the Biden administration allows in. Straight They're going to keep busing them to New York. New York is eventually going to start busing them out. And then we end up in basically Mad Max uh, Fury Road, where it's just going to be competing buses going in different directions, all trying to take each other out. Uh, Alicia, let me throw this video quick, because you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. volleyball Olympian. Her name is Kim Glass, uh, who was attacked in downtown L.A. So let's just throw to that real quick. This was in downtown Los Angeles. Daylight. Right. And, and out yeah. of nowhere, you get yes. socked by a 10-inch bolt. And I, I just have to think, when, when, yeah. when you think back on that, it has to, there has to be some, something in your mind that's saying, how in the, why in the world did that happen? And when you ask yourself that, how do you answer it? You know, I sat with it. I was thinking about it in the ambulance. The other victims haven't been vindicated, mm. right? Every time someone's being let out on the street again and again, they're doing a disservice. And they're pretty much saying that these victims' traumas were in vain. And at this point, what's the answer? Yeah. You know? Because something, everything that we're doing right now is not working. Yeah. Well, a and lot there of, needs to be Kim, a change. A, a lot and of that's that evident. Alicia, I'm going to guess that most people watching this right now uh, did not see that. Well, they don't watch CNN and MSNBC and the rest of it anyway. But uh, I'm going to guess that that didn't make it to CNN and MSNBC. I mean, a, no. a young a young black woman gets assaulted. I mean, those bruises were serious. That was a serious yep. bash to her face. Uh, I thought we're supposed to care about this sort of thing, but uh, seemingly only Fox cares about it. What's going on here? It is interesting. There's there's even been some stories when I mentioned earlier that all of the mad moms that are saying, no, you're not going to mask our kids again. No, you're not going to do COVID lockdowns again. The largest business group here in L.A. County has told the uh, the county superintendents, we're not doing this again. You're, you're choosing people's livelihoods and lives are at stake. We're not doing this again. And only conservative outlets are covering it. 
Why? Because it doesn't fit the mainstream media narrative is that the government is the best and they're the end all be all. God bless her for speaking up. As I mentioned, I've had friends that have been assaulted and stalked by homeless people. I love the flower market, it's my thing, but I no longer take my girls down there because there are so many encampments that you can't even street park anymore. The sidewalks and the streets are full. And I feel for these people, but people like the man that attacked her, I will not use his name because he doesn't deserve any more media headlines. He deserves yep. to be behind bars. And I only wish that Kim would go a little further and speak out for all of the victims and say, you know, all the signatures are in. I hope Gascon gets recalled. There's a runoff between Karen Bass and Rick Caruso. It's pretty obvious which of the two are going to be a better choice for Los Angeles. So I, I hope that more people see her story and more people get involved because it's not just the president that the, is the end all be all. If COVID taught us anything left, right and center, your local races matter. And by the way, we all know how this game is played. There is simply no doubt that Kim will soon be called alt-right and everything else for having gone on Fox to discuss being bashed by a homeless person because of progressive policies. Uh, but let's, uh, let's go to the last segment here because you guys know I like to end this show and especially end the week on a somewhat positive note. And I think people are just waking up in droves to this thing. It's becoming increasingly obvious. You can even see the media is having trouble running cover for Biden. I think they're done with him anyway. Uh, I don't think this COVID thing helps his case. Uh, but here's video a year ago, uh, him and uh, let's just call this uh, pandering 101. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. Libby, uh, many Latino people, those tacos as we refer to them, uh, they uh, love being called Latinx, right? And uh, they're all obviously illegal, which is why they would be worried that they might get booted if they got vaxxed. I mean, do they realize their own racism? They do not realize their own racism. They think they're immune to it. They think that when they talk down to minorities, that is actually lifting them up. They think that when they pander to, you know, woke ideology and, and, and say these kinds of things, that they are actually helping the communities that they are substantially attacking. But Americans are way too smart for this nonsense. Um, and they were too smart for it all along. And we're, you know, we're watching the, the chips come in on that one. Speaking of those chips, Joe Biden now at 38% approval and even CNN is covering it. Showed his overall job approval rating a bit earlier. Here it is again, the 38% approve, 62% disapprove. This is a numeric low mark for the president in CNN polling, but he's been in this low range, which is a big warning sign, of course, for his party. James, do you remember there was an orange guy? I always forget his name. He had crazy hair. He was orange, ate McDonald's, um, who never hit 38%, despite the media always trying to take him out. The media's propped this guy up and he's at 38%. This is, this is pretty extraordinary, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, what's extraordinary is that it's at 38% and not, you know, like negative 8% <laughs> or something. Um, it's absolutely astonishing to me, but at least what we're seeing is as you said, people are waking up in droves. Everywhere I go, whether I talk to Republicans, whether I talk to Democrats, people are seeing whether it's with the grooming of the kids, especially the mad, the mad moms or the war moms, as I like to call them, are getting very upset. People are waking up all over the country. It doesn't matter which issue. People are, are now aware that something's wrong. These gas prices, and then then we have both uh, Biden and, and you know Mayor Lenin, I mean Pete, come out and say the secretary, uh, 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg saying that, you know, oh, well, suck it up and get an electric car. You know, we got to accelerate the contradictions. People are aware that this is not a government that's working for Americans or for America. And, you know, Libby mentioned uh, Kamala Harris. I started to laugh because her name was invoked a moment ago. She was tasked <laughs> with something that's hilarious on its own because that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, everybody sees this, this is just a, a clown show that nothing is going to, to happen. Nothing in this administration is meant to work for Americans. And people are, uh, I call her vice president red pills, by the way. Uh, people are very yeah. rapidly waking up to the disaster of this thing. And it's the best news ever um, because it's about time that we move on from this mess. Alicia, are you worried that the system always finds a way that despite all the mad moms, despite the polling, all of that stuff, that it's like they'll either bring COVID back or they'll monkeypox us or they'll make Ukraine into a nuclear war or just like something, because everyone is sort of feeling like, wow, we're starting to win, polls are yeah. showing it, but we're still three months or you know, four months basically out from an election. I, I don't know how in that three or four months they're gonna change the reality for a lot of men and women in the United States who are just seeing outrageous costs, not only at the pump, but at the grocery store. We were just in Michigan for a week and a half for a family wedding. And I told my husband I was stunned. I went to three different local grocery stores and I always think, wow, LA cost of living so high. Guess what? The only two things that were cheaper in Northern Michigan were fuel and Michigan fresh cherries. Everything hmm. else from the meat to the eggs to dairy, everything was the same price that I pay here in Los Angeles. That is difficult because the cost of living in LA, of course, rent and stuff is more expensive. But if you're a minimum wage worker or a factory worker or a blue collar or even white collar worker in a blue state like Michigan, who recent polling numbers have shown Biden is doing abysmally after winning that state, Democrats have a big problem and they can't flip the switch overnight. Alicia, you are always welcome here. We could shoot iguanas in my backyard, fry them up. They're quite they delicious. Are? Tastes like chicken. That's what they keep telling me. Uh, all right, Libby, bring us home. Final thought on all of this. Do, do you feel confident that the trend that we're seeing and why we're all kind of feeling good about this stuff, that we'll make it to November with, without them pulling something nuts? I hope so, but I do think that they have nuts up their sleeve consistently. They're going to try and push this climate agenda down our throats. They have been promising to do so since the campaign. Um, they're going to try and push electric cars down our throats again. They're going to try and ramp up COVID and make that a whole big thing again. DC students are going to need to get a vaccine before they can attend school. We're seeing what Alicia was mentioning about California and masking. Um, so, you know, and of course they have this Ukraine war that they can really go hard on if they want to do that. So I think Americans have to be aware of the persistent crisis narrative that the Biden administration is going to keep trying to push, maintain their cool, maintain their glimpse of reality and, uh, you know, bring it on home and get these crazy people out of office. They have no business leading the country. Libby, Alicia, James, I thank you. James, I will see you Sunday in Tampa at uh, Turning Point USA. You are there right now. All right, great seeing you guys. I'm gonna finish up for a couple minutes without you. So long. All right, so that's right, guys. So yeah, Sunday, I will be speaking uh, at Turning Point Student Action Summit. Uh, President Trump will be there. Governor Ron DeSantis will be there. James Lindsay will be there. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. will be there. Ted Cruz will be there, et cetera, et cetera. A whole bunch of people. Uh, I believe maybe there's some still tickets still available. I'm not sure, but a Turning Point Action Summit, I'm being told, 
There might be some tickets available. I'm speaking on Sunday morning. Uh, and tonight and tomorrow, all day, uh, I am co-hosting the Sunshine Summit right here in Fort Lauderdale with Lisa Booth. Uh, and this is a big Floridian conservative conference. And uh, obviously, Governor DeSantis will be there. And Clay Travis, who's a buddy and a friend of the show. And Josh Hammer, who you guys have seen, and Carol Markowitz, and a whole bunch of others. So if any of you are in Florida, uh, again, I'm not totally sure if tickets are still available. Uh, but it's the Sunshine Summit I'm heading out a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, that's my weekend. I hope you have a weekend uh, a little bit off the grid if possible. And I also realized right before I sat down, uh, you know, we've got baby one due in just a couple weeks and we're, we're now in that zone. We're in that like right before the end zone situation where it's like the phone could ring at any moment. At any moment, it could be my last weekend pre-fatherhood and I'm told it all changes after. You're very tired all the time, but it's better in a different way. That's what everyone keeps telling me. It's different, but it's better. You'll understand one day, something like that. Uh, so uh, I've become sentimental about my weekends. I'm hoping I get two more weekends after this. Uh, we shall see. Uh, and then of course, as you guys know, next week is our last week in studio before I go off the grid for August. Uh, we are changing up a few things, which I'll announce next week for what is gonna be on the channel uh, in August. We are gonna put up some other stuff, although I do want everybody to take a bit of a break from the news and everything else if you can during August. And I want my team to be able to take a break and, and all of that, of course, as well. Uh, let's see, okay, they're giving me some notes. 8.30 a.m. I will be at SAS giving my big talk. And I'm told that James will be speaking at 9 a.m. So you could get Ruben and Lindsay back to back if you're in Tampa on Sunday. Uh, on that note, uh, we're gonna do some questions, some uh, comments. All right, let's throw to some comments from the uh, Community Q&A, uh, from the Ruben Report Locals community, I should say. Snow Baby says, my grandmother used to say when politics would take a bad turn, it would be the immigrants who would save us. They fled the stuff Americans are running to. It's so interesting. I mean, I really see that so clearly uh, here in Miami, because as I said earlier, it's such an international city, you know, so heavily Cuban, especially. I mean, when we went to the Marlins game last week, guys, I mean, we were pretty much the only uh, four white people. It was a lot of Cubans and it was all good. There was, no, was anyone mean to you guys? Did anyone go, whitey, you whitey with your baseball? No, everybody liked it, it was all good. But these people come here and it's either they come here or their parents or their grandparents and they fled communism. They fled all of the stuff that these lefties are now instituting here. So it's very refreshing seeing these people. And that's why, as Alicia said, it's like, there's very few people who are truly anti-immigrant. Of course, there's a certain set of people who maybe don't like somebody based on the color of their skin. Uh, of course that exists, right? But there's very few people who are just on their face anti-immigrant. What there are are people who want a set of rules, right? I mean, it's one of the lines that that orange guy said when he was running for president, which is we either have a country or we don't. You either have rules or you don't. And the left, which seemingly has no rules and, and wants everyone to come here, while at the same time telling us how horrible everything here is, uh, then what happens is you get a situation like in New York where Eric Adams is now going, boy, we let all these people in and now we got problems. And he's just, he's literally, did you see in that video? He's just kind of turning his head like, and, and we need help, help. Is anyone out there sort of like Janet Yellen? Like, I hope the economy doesn't crash. That's all they have at the end. Their policies are terrible. So they call for help, but nobody's on the other line and uh, they have hope, but it's usually hope that ain't gonna come true until people vote in other people. Anyway, uh, oh, Paula, let's do Paula over here. Why are these teachers happy when a kid tells them they're trans? I mean, that's a great question and it's, and it's a deeply psychological uh, answer that I probably could have gone further with James on, but I think it has to do with 
these people who's, they've sort of had like a certain amount of people that are, are in Western society right now have just had a certain psychological break. When you no longer think that male and female is different, uh, that you can change your sex, all of these things. It's like, once you've done that, that's why they're trying to get to these kids so young. If you can take a, a six-year-old who is not thinking about sex in any way or gender, but start getting them to think about these things and then tell them, actually, your parts have nothing to do with your reality. What have you then injected into that kid's mind that then perhaps you could manipulate for the rest of their lives? What else could you get them to believe in? They could just be a little cog in your very, very twisted game. That's why I said earlier, it's like, I'm not totally convinced that all of these people are groomers in that they are grooming them purely for sexual purposes, as disgusting as that is. And, and undoubtedly there is some of that, right? That it's more what James was referring to, which is that they're grooming them to be sort of broken, confused people who won't even believe the things that they can see right in front of them or perhaps the things that they can see in the mirror. Because once you break someone to that degree, especially a six-year-old man, the way you could manipulate them is probably unimaginable. Uh, Mark says, my wife Eva and I have adopted the approach that we must keep our kids in homeschool no matter what, even if we have to live in a one-bedroom apartment in order to pay for it, it's that important. Well, Mark, I know you're from the community and you're, you're a fine father and I'm glad that your kids are doing well. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of parents are on board that. Uh, that being said, I think you know in certain red states, and again, this is where Florida really is leading the country, um, they are getting wokeism out of school. They are getting critical race theory out of school. They are teaching financial literacy. They are teaching basic civics, uh, you know, stuff that we used to learn. You know, I'm an old dude. When people like me used to learn that in, say, the 80s, 86, big year for civics and basic math. That's what we were doing back then. Uh, anyway, I hope you all enjoy the weekend. Uh, get off the machines a little bit. Get out there. Get some fresh air. Go shooting. Go play some basketball. Go swimming. Go fishing. Do you, but don't do it online. How about that? Uh, but if you do do it online, join us at rubinreport.locals.com. See you Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.